0: There's certain things that I'm good at and there's certain things that I'm not so good at. And so I know those areas and I try to make sure that I have somebody on my team that can fill those gaps. Because again, it's really, it's really not just about you, it's about knowing yourself, but it's also about building a team because you can't do it alone. I mean, a team is really how you're successful as a leader. I'm Janet
1: Ioli, and you're listening to Power Presence Academy. Practical Wisdom for Leaders. If you're looking for leadership mentoring, advice, or just a dose of inspiration, I've got you covered. Join me as I share leadership tips and lessons of experience from experts and from executives at the top of their game. This is your go-to place for all things leadership. It doesn't have to be lonely at the top. Let's go. I'm thrilled to have as my guest today, Katie Selby. Katie is currently the Chief Operating Officer at Blue Halo. She's a systems engineer and has over two decades of experience in the space and defense industry. Katie, thank you so much for being with us here today.
0: Thank you for having me. I'm delighted to share my experiences with other women out there to help them reach their fullest potential. So thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah,
1: That's terrific. So I just want to start
0: out because all of us have a
1: story, right? And I want to start out by hearing a little bit about your leadership journey and how you got to where you are. So if you could share with us a little bit about
0: your journey and how'd you get there? <laughs> Leadership skills, they're not something that you're born with. You really have to learn and grow into that field. And early in my career, I had the opportunity to be a part of some amazingly talented teams with some really inspirational leaders, the kind of leaders that, you know, that could really convince you to do anything. They would convince me to sweep the floor if they asked me to, if it's (laughs) what the team needed. Everyone really had a clearly defined role. The team respected each other. We delivered really high quality products. We were really the team that you wanted to be on. Work was fun. Everyone enjoyed working together. And then I had some teams that were not very well run where we failed to meet deliveries, some software deliveries that we had. We had faulty products. We had very low morale. And even though I wasn't the manager, it was not a fun place to work. And so I stepped up to the plate to try to organize the team with roles and responsibilities and said, look, guys, we're not going to continue to have these products returned to us because they're not meeting the the goals of what we're trying to do here. And so we implemented some new processes to really ensure that the systems were passing testing. And then when the manager left, I kind of defaulted into the program manager role. And I got into leadership because I felt I could make a difference and have a positive impact on other people's lives. It wasn't something that I said, you know, I want to be the boss one day. It was really something that I felt I could have a bigger impact on the organization and make a bigger difference as a leader. And that's kind of how I came into the role I, I am today.
1: It's interesting. I hear this a lot that it's, it's not always a goal that is set. It just kind of people fall into the leadership journey. And so let me ask you this. So what have you learned on this journey?
0: So I would say it's really about knowing yourself and your own strengths, your own weaknesses, your values, and your beliefs. That's really foundational into becoming a strong leader, because if you can't understand yourself and what you're good at, it's it's really hard to serve others, if you will. And you can't do it alone. You can't only, as one person, can only accomplish so much, and you need a team around you. And so I find that as I come into a new leadership role, it's really assessing all the team's strengths and filling any gaps that I may have as a leader. There are certain things that I'm good at and there's certain things that I'm not so good at. And so I know those areas and I try to make sure that I have somebody on my team that can fill those gaps. Because again, it's really, it's really not just about you, it's about knowing yourself, but it's also about building a team because you can't do it alone. I mean, a team is really how you're successful as a leader and building diverse teams. And, you know, from a team standpoint, you know, it's been proven that diverse and heterogeneous teams produce better outcomes. They have different perspectives to ensure that when you're making a decision, all angles are considered. They provide more innovative ideas. They challenge the status quo, whereas teams that are all alike tend to have groupthink, tend to become much more complacent. And so, again, my leadership journey has been about finding myself and then building a team around me. I love how you mentioned the
1: self-awareness piece. And I wonder, did you ever feel like you made a transition from, okay, I have to be the smartest person in the room to, wow, you know, the
0: humility of I can't know it all. And now I have to rely on others. And that was a big transition because... I did grow up in the ground floor and I grew up doing a lot of the work hands on. And as I running a program, I still grew up on that program. And then when I moved from one program to another program that I didn't grow up on, that was a really scary transition because I didn't know everything, but I had to figure out who did know everything. And I had to be humble and say, look, you know, I'm not the smartest person in the room and that's okay. And I'm okay with that. And it's okay to ask for help. You know, it's so many times people don't want to ask for help, but it's okay. I have a, you know, kind of a board of advisors. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm at a smaller company now than I was before. And I still have that network of people that I call on when I am not sure, hey, this doesn't sound quite right. You know, is this technology really all it's cracked up to be? I'm hearing a lot about containers or Kubernetes. And, you know, I think that it's okay to not be the smartest person.
1: I think that's a learning, right? That we go through. It's like trying to be the smartest person and then realizing there's no way I ever will be. And and I will never know it all. So how do I ask for help? I'd love that advice. Now you're a woman engineer and you work in a pretty male dominated industry and you have been. So talk to me a little bit about any challenges or obstacles you felt like you faced being a woman in this industry.
0: So I think some of my best advice is, you know, really just to be yourself. Don't try to be one of the men. It's okay to be different than your male counterparts. And honestly, that's the value that you bring to the table. Cause what makes you different is really what sets you apart from the rest of the team. And it took me a long time to kind of come to that realization. Cause there were a lot of times where, you know, I wanted to be treated fairly and I wanted to be treated, you know, and I still want to be treated fairly, but it's okay to be different than others. And I would say the obstacles that women face, they really change as your career changes, frankly, early in your career, you know, women were tend you know, were always asked to take notes or make copies or assumed that I was part of the admin staff and not part of the technical team that was engineering the solutions. So, you know, there's polite ways when people say, Hey, you know, would you mind taking the notes? It's, you know what, I took notes last time. How about it? Somebody else's turn this time. So I think there's, you know, some things earlier in your career that you can do. And I think as you move up in your career, it really gets down to you and your team's results should do the talking that you can't control how others respond to you as a woman in the field, but focus on the facts and the results that you're delivering or your team's making. And, you know, you will get noticed. It It, it is about business and it's about the results and you can't take things personally. So I think that's you know, as I've moved up in the career, it's really, let's focus on facts and, and data. And that's a, that's a really good point is, is you're, you're talking
1: about, again, there's a piece of self-awareness there. Right. Knowing yourself. And what I hear from you is also a, a piece of, you know, don't take yourself so seriously. Right. There's a big component. Yeah. That, so I love that. But I talk to a lot of women executives who have some of their own internal obstacles the whole notion of lack of confidence or a lot of self doubt about right. their abilities or about or feeling it, the feelings of inadequacy
0: how have you dealt with that and how do you deal I, with that yeah i think it's very common i think it gets back to having a you know outside counsel mm-hmm. and a team of cheerleaders almost that you can confide in that you know former bosses colleagues mentors that can advise you and can support you through your career and surrounding yourself with people who can support you. And another thing, I get back to facts and data. And, you know, there's been some scary roles I've taken in my career. And one thing that I've done is I've looked at other people in those roles and I've looked at their bios. So sure, I can do this job again, back to facts and data, Hmm. right? What does it take to do this job? Do I have the requisite capabilities and skills? Absolutely. Then why am I scared or why am I doubting my abilities in that role? It takes time and it takes uh, the ability to step back to do that. Right?
1: Cuz we get caught up in what other people are telling us. And there's a piece of what you're saying too is that is being able to find your own voice and find right. your own brand of leadership. I mean, you can emulate all the people around you for a while, but there's a part there's a time where your own voice comes out and right. you developed your own brand and your own leadership voice. How did you go about doing
0: that? It needs to be authentic to something that you are and, and your beliefs and strengths. You know, for me, I tend to be very optimistic about what the future holds. I tend to be the the glass half full, but I also tend to be pretty realistic about the challenges ahead and the I'll say logistics of what it takes to get to where we're trying to go as a team. So I think that your brand has got to be something that's authentic to you. It can't be, well, I think because I'm, you know, the SVP, I need to act like this, or I need to act like that. It has to be what's authentic to you and what your beliefs are and your belief system.
1: And how did that manifest for you? I mean, what did you have to learn or do to operate that way? Because we talk about that word authenticity a a lot we hear authentic, authentic, you need to be authentic. And then there's things that serve me and that don't serve me. Right. So how did you step into that? I mean, I feel I talk about it as being comfortable in your own skin.
0: I think for me, it's almost more about listening and then being introspective. So, for example, if I'm taking on a new role or I'm going into a new environment or I'm meeting a new customer, it's much more about listening, you know, and then being authentic to how, you know, how you feel about that situation and what, you know, not, well, I'm the leader, I'm the boss, I'm going to come in, I'm going to make these demands. It's really listening. Okay. What does the team need? What is the customer asking for? Where are the dynamics here? And so I think it's about being introspective and then putting part of yourself out there as to what you think the team needs or the the organization needs at the time.
1: And as you describe that, I almost hear a piece of curiosity. Yeah. As you're listening, as being curious versus taking right. in with some preconceived notion. I don't know if that is that what you're
0: is that part of what Yeah. You're I mean I think, you know, some career advice that was always given to me is, you know, as I'm in meetings, you should always ask questions. And so as I'm in meetings or different environments, I'm always thinking about what probing questions can I ask based on what information I'm trying to gather. So I think it is being curious. It is asking questions. It is that I'll say desire to learn. I think that we're in this environment of constant change and, you know, reorganizations, change with COVID, change with how we do business and how we respond is pretty critical. And the way I respond is by constantly learning, constantly asking questions. How can we do better? Because, really, at the end of the day, as a leader, your job is to make your team reach their fullest potential. Because, again, back to I'm one person, I can be a lone wolf, I can be a lone ranger, and I can go out there and do it all by myself. But I can accomplish much more ground if I've got a team of you know, 10, 15, and they've got a team of 10, 15, and they got a team of 10, 15. So, I think that's really, as a leader, my goal. Now, you're
1: giving advice. Let me ask you this. You've mentioned advice. What's the best piece of career advice you received?
0: So something I think about a lot, you know, when you move up into a leadership role, all eyes are on you. What you say, how you act, how you dress. Everyone's watching for your cues. You're really setting the pace. It's kind of like, it's kind of like your kids, right? They sense your energy, right? Mm -hmm. I know when I walk in, if I've had a bad day, my daughter will say, what's wrong, mom? You know, what happened today? You know, when you move into that leadership role, everyone's watching how you respond, and will feed off your energy. So if you're excited, if you're jazzed, the team will pick up on that.
1: I can't tell you how much I hear that from people. Is that you are now on display, whether you just dis- whether you realize it or not. Right. And everything is interpreted. Right. Everything right. you say, you can just make a nonchalant comment, and then that has a different meaning as people interpret it. So. That's, that's a great piece of advice. What advice would you give to women who are trying to figure out some sort of a success formula in their career?
0: So I would say a couple things. I mean, it does come from working hard. There is no you know magic pill that you can take to move up the ranks. It's hard work. It's asking questions. It's being curious. It's having that desire to learn and to make a difference. I would say if you're starting out your career, I think... Finding mentors, I think that's also been a really helpful thing for me in my career is finding people that I want to be like or that I admire and learning from them. I would say that's pretty important as you're moving in your career and keeping those mentors on your outside council board board of directors, if you will, is a is a great thing to do as you're moving along in your career. I'm going to ask you to
1: Describe that a little bit because we talk about this notion of creating your board of directors or, you know, creating Mm -hmm. your own council. People, people don't always understand what that is. So kind of give an example of what would you do to go create your own board of directors? What is that?
0: So I think it's people that you've interacted with through your career, whether if you're just starting out, maybe it's, professors that you've had, or if you had an internship, but as people that almost you, I would say you've kind of clicked with, and you've had some sort of experience with, and you've kept in touch, right? You have to keep in touch with them. It has to be somewhat mutually beneficial. It can't be, I'm going to call on you whenever I need help. And that's the only time I call. It's got to be some sort of mutually beneficial relationship. I know some of the mentors that that I've had have been, you know, they're really friends. It's almost you know, a friendship more than a mentorship at this point in my career. And I have, I have a variety of people that I call on depending the situation. I have some very senior PhD technical folks where if I'm faced with a hard problem and something that I'm not so familiar with, that I'll be like, Hey, give me the lowdown on this. And, and so I have those kind of people. I have other people if I'm negotiating with an employee on salary requirements or something like that. I have some friends who are in the HR community that I would call on and I would ask for, you know, what is market? What do you see as market data for this kind of position? So I would say it's having those connections through your career. And that comes with time and experience. There's really no way. It's not like you're, I have some mentors that I've been matched with earlier in my career, and some I've kept in touch with, some I haven't. It's really who you've clicked with through your career, who you desire to stay in touch with and have that sort of long-term relationship.
1: And I only asked for clarification about that because people always ask, well, what is that? You know, How do I go about creating a board of directors? And, and I always tell women that it's, it's really, it's like you have your own cabinet of people who you can draw upon that are different than your team. It's right? Right. So are external than your team. It's not that you're going to not draw on your team, but these are people that can help you as you think right. through things. What inspirational quote would you offer just to motivate people or to encompass some of this wisdom that you're conveying today?
0: So a couple things that I think about when either I am feeling frustrated or you know, not sure what to do one thing that i think about is there's a quote out there about you know a good plan executed now is better than the perfect plan executed next week so it's kind of about the you know perfect is the enemy of good mm. and so i think that's something that as a senior leader and as a as you move up in the organization you have to pick and choose where you spend your time and need to make a decision you need to make forward. So, you know, something around, you know, perfect is the enemy of good. I think the last one is, you know, you only fail when you stop trying. You know, there's been lots of times in my career, there's been plenty of positions that I've applied for and I haven't gotten in my career. And, you know, you only fail when you stop trying.
1: Lots of words of inspiration there. I just want to ask you a little bit about the perfect because it comes up so much, right? That wanting to be perfect.
0: Yeah. How do you let go of that? It's okay to change course. That's something else that I think women leaders, they're sometimes scared to make a decision because what if I get it wrong? Right. And I've even said, we're going to make this decision. This is the direction we're going right now today based on the facts and data that we have. That's not to say we don't go in a different direction in the future, but this is what we're going to do right now because this is the best course of action that we have. And we're not going to, not make a decision.
1: So you've given us so much wisdom in this short amount of time. It's <laughs> really, really terrific. Now I would ask you, obviously I can't sit here with you for, for hours, which I would love to do, but I would ask you, you know, as we've had this conversation, you brought up quite a great, quite a few great points of advice. What other parting words of wisdom would you give as we end this today?
0: Yeah, I would say you know have fun. Life is too short to be in a career that doesn't energize you or jazz you every day or to work with people that don't respect you. You may not have to like everyone that work work with you but that don't make you a better person. So life is really too short. You spend too many waking hours working that it should be fun. And if it's not, find something else. <laughs> now what's fun for Katie? What's fun? <laughs> So what's fun for me? I mean, of course, I love spending time with my family. That's a great reward. But from a a career standpoint, I love winning proposals. I love winning new work. It's very exciting because it's like winning a game. I've been a competitive tennis player growing up. So I have that competitiveness in my nature. But I think that's seeing a team win is a really rewarding experience. You learn a lot from the failures right? You learn more from the failures, but winning feels really good. Great. A great note to end on this.
1: Winning feels really good. Yeah. Thank you so much, Katie, for being here today. I mean, your words of wisdom, I'm sure will be really helpful to the women watching this. And I really appreciate your time.
0: Well, I'm, I'm really glad that I'm able to give back. So thank you for the platform.
1: Thanks for listening. And always remember this, Every single moment, you have a choice in what you say, what you do, and how you make people feel. Pause and make those choices wisely and intentionally because every single moment, those choices are who you become as a leader. See you next time.